and welcome to The Shift Change. My name is Claire. My name is Michelle. And we're recording this episode today just as a kickoff um, and getting us started again because we took quite a long break um, during the pandemic just with so many things going on uh, both personally and professionally for both of us. And so we're, we've prepared a few questions to chat about today and then we're looking forward to creating more content in the future. Before we move into the questions, is there anything you want to add, Michelle, or anything you want to say? It's good to be back after yeah. such a long break, and hopefully we didn't lose any of our listeners in this interim. <laughs> any of our dedicated <laughs> listeners. Yeah, thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And so the first question we were going to talk about was, Michelle, from your experience, um, have you had any positive experiences, lessons, or takeaways from the last year that stand out to you from your life, whether personal, professional? I actually had quite a few changes in my life over the last year resulting from the pandemic. Before that, I was working, I work in clinical informatics. I'm a, a nurse, a registered nurse, but I was doing clinical informatics for a large systems change project here in the lower mainland. And I was working in an office, but actually the first day, my first shift that I switched into my new job as a clinical informatics specialist, I came to the office and there was no one there. There's just a big <laughs> posting on the door that said, because of COVID, the office is now closed and all the staff are working remotely. So that- What a that time to new. start a new job. <laughs> that was so new for me. And that was so like, it's so interesting because my partner and I, at the time, he also had just started working in a job remotely. Yeah. His job ended up being based out of Toronto. So it, at that time, they were still talking about having to um, commute for work every mm. every few months. So that ended as well, yeah. <laughs> working remotely. I was just working remotely. And it was something that we talked about doing maybe in the future. We should try to get jobs where we can work remotely or work from home because it would be better for our family and then suddenly we were forced to do it yeah exactly and then you got your wish <laughs> kind of like I, I know there was a lot of um a lot of people experienced a lot of negative things out of COVID but mm -hmm. we got the opportunity to kind of quickly axolize this, this <laughs> dream I guess that we'd been having before yeah and it was it, it was really interesting because at that time I have four kids school closed down as well. So suddenly my four children had to be homeschooled by my partner and I while we were also trying to work full-time. Trying to work full-time new jobs. <laughs> so that was that was a toughie, but it was an interesting experience because my kids, like I've been working solidly since I had my first child and my first child turned 10 last year. Um, she's all of them have been in daycare their whole lives. So it was really the first time that they weren't in daycare anymore. Suddenly they were home all the time. And then we had this responsibility to provide their education. Yeah, it was kind of, I really got to know my kids yeah. in the last year, which is actually kind of a blessing. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I, how much time I spent at work and how much time I spent away from them before that. Yeah. So that's the major, that is the major thing that I experienced in the last year. Totally. I think that shift came up for so many people. And as you said, for some people, there were some positives out of it. For some people, it was an extremely challenging time, especially if people lost work and different things. But 
I think my experience sort of mirrored yours a bit minus the four kids. I don't have four <laughs> kids, but similar, like I had, because I have a bit of a commute to my work. And so prior to the pandemic, I was usually working from home about one day a week. Um, and so it was really nice that I already wanted to do that. And I already had all of the technology and everything set up to do it. It was just that none of my colleagues worked from home previously. And so all of our meetings and things were in person. And so mm -hmm. like, it was very specific work that I'd be able to do from home. Um, but then, yeah, when it shifted, I remember texting my director and saying, Hey, can I, like, I'm thinking about working from home for the next few days. Is that okay? Uh, and she was like, yeah, yeah. Like we'll check in on Monday. And now it's over a year later. <laughs> I have started like I go to work in person some of the time but it's definitely it's kind of flipped I used to work from home one day a week when I was able to based on the type of work and now I work primarily from home and go into work if there's a specific meeting or something happening in person that I want to be there for but yeah similar I find like I always had a sense that my life was very busy and like packed prior to the pandemic but I just could never picture how to slow it down and I also wouldn't like if I had an evening free I would reach out to people and try and you know squeeze something else in and I joke now that I have no plans ever like <laughs> we it's quite um, a change yeah <laughs> and I've been saying recently that it would be funny if I could have some sort of like visual graph representation of how much time my partner and I spent spend together now face to face versus how much time we spent together before the pandemic like we used because we're both like independent social people working and out of the house full time and so previously we used to have to like one evening a week we would be like oh like I haven't seen you in a few days let's like specifically make plans to and still we would go out we, like let's specifically make plans to go to a movie or go out for dinner and it's flipped completely now especially both of us um my partner was finishing up a graduate studies program and then looking for work and I was working from home a hundred percent um at the beginning of the pandemic and so like and we were neither of us were traveling we didn't have family we were going to see and so it went from seeing each other like one evening a week and ships passing in the night to both of us working from home socializing from home and staring at each other and the cat for like a year <laughs> so That's, luckily yeah. luckily we get along <laughs> yeah luckily you like each other yeah totally. and, I mean my experience is a little bit different because my partner and I actually worked together before mm. before oh, that and yeah. we he's luckily he's my favorite person yeah, so we just we just ended up working together sort of again in the yeah. same space, even though he got a completely different job in a different city. Yeah, Canada. So. I know it was funny <laughs> when my partner um, started working outside the house two months ago or so. And I was really as much as I was like, oh, it'll be nice to have the space and have more breathing room. And both of us have like our separated working spaces. But at the same time, I was like, he's my encyclopedia of knowledge. Like <laughs> on work oh, no. meetings sometimes <laughs> I'll like, so nice. I'll pause my uh, audio on work meetings and be like, hey, Tim, what, <laughs> like, what's the this or that? 
like just some, or like, what's the best word for this? So he, he's my like chief consultant. And then he left to go work. I'm like, oh, I can't well text him to yeah, ask him all of, my work questions. It's kind of strange because you have for the last year, I guess you've kind of had this person to debrief with or this person yeah. like right there who knows you very well <laughs> yeah. to bounce ideas off of. Hopefully <laughs> so they're gone. And like it, coming out of a frustrating meeting, being like, is this a me problem or a them problem? Like what's going on here? Yeah. Now it's me and the cat. <laughs> it is quite a, it's quite a different world now. And it's, I find it so interesting because I, I wasn't doing direct care nursing before, before the pandemic started. And I was still working for that same project mm-hmm. as a learning specialist. So I devised, like I created the learning curriculum and support tools so we worked in an office and I remember asking once, is there a possibility that we can work from home? And it wasn't even a, it's not, it's like they weren't even really considering the possibility of me yeah. being able to do the work from home. Yeah. And suddenly there was capacity for everybody to be able to do work <laughs> from home and capacity to let everyone take home their computers and set up workstations at home yeah. to be able to do that, which is like, it's, it's so interesting how that shift happened so quickly. Oh, a hundred percent. Like within the course of three days, it was, and same, like you think about it's wild. It has really highlighted for me how systems work and how systems of privilege and power play out in our large bureaucracies, because for years, um, all of the staff for different like work-life balance reasons and clients and patients who have asked for telehealth options. And the answer has been, no, we can't because of the nature of um, health authority work and because of confidentiality and all these things. And then within three days, really, like the entire province and most of the country, wherever possible, like started doing telehealth visits, started Mm -hmm. um, seeing patients and clients over Zoom and over the phone. And I think there's huge gains out of that. But yeah, it's just so interesting to think oh, was that an arbitrary no before? <laughs> it is, yeah, it's quite interesting. The, the speed at which things and people were able to pivot yeah. based on the imminent need was incredible. It's not anything I've ever seen in healthcare before. And it made me really understand that if there is collective will to be able yeah. to do something, it can definitely happen. And those barriers that people and systems talk about can be removed quite quickly when they need to be. Totally. Which is mind blowing to me. Like I can't even really fully wrap my brain around the implications of that because it it really, like, it just makes you question everything. Like it it makes me question everything we say yes to everything we say no to it. uh, Yeah. It changes things. And what about, thinking about the last year, is there anything that you found any experience that was particularly difficult or any lessons or takeaways from the last year that you want to share? It was quite difficult. A lot of, a lot of people that I work with, a lot of clinicians in general and people that work in healthcare have kids. And it was really difficult this point where all the schools went to homeschooling and there is this expectation that you'll be able to deliver the curriculum and deliver education to your kids and then also we still have an expectation from work that you'll be able to work your 37 and a half hours per week and still be productive so that was a 
that was a toughie for me. And actually many of the, um, many of the people that I work with, because suddenly it was really in your face, this juggling that you have to do between uh, the different do domains of your life. And it really increased my appreciation for the public school system and, and what they do and how they actually are. It's quite a level of expertise and it's quite, um, it's quite a privilege that we have in this country to have public school and teachers and have that type of access and programs and community um, community access that that we have here. And it was quite a loss when those things closed down. And I didn't realize what a gap there was until until things like community centers and public pools and um, community arts programs and all those things started to shut down. I didn't realize what um, how much they enrich my life and the lives of my children. Yeah, I think that was such a huge part of what I saw and experienced over the last year as well, was just seeing when those parts of kind of like the fabric of our everyday lives were shut down so quickly with no warning, the impact on people's daily routines, and then the ripple effects on people's just general sense of wellness and people's mental health. Um, that's my job currently focuses on child and youth mental health. And I'm so curious to see in time as research comes out about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on people's mental health, because that's the primary thing I've seen both in my like personal life with friends and family, and then my professional life with the level of acuity for the clients that we're interfacing with is just so intense and thinking about for people who, like I've had not an insignificant number of friends whose relationships have ended this year um, or who have changed jobs or who are just struggling in a way that they hadn't previously because so much of our lives and coping skills have been taken away from people, even down to things like seeing family and getting to travel. Um, it's just been so different this year. And so I think that has been yeah, just seeing those impacts that aren't necessarily, I mean, there's all of the impacts of COVID-19 itself and the deaths um, and the anxiety and fear in society and fighting about masks and vaccines, like there's all of that. And then there's all, I feel like that's just the tip of the iceberg and seeing the impacts on people's mental health has been significant. Yeah, it's, and it's quite interesting because we, there's a focus on like mental health care services, but the impact doesn't stem from a lack of services. That's the very downstream effect of the lack of, um, you know, community recreation, access to health and wellness programs, access to like closing down of schools, so not having that same connection with peers, not having the same connection, like in-person social connections prior to COVID happening, which those all resulted in mental health issues but it's it's interesting because those aren't like considered mental health services but those are all things that contribute to wellness and I think it I don't I think we have much more appreciation of how all kinds of services all kinds of domains all kinds of interactions that happen in communities contribute to overall health which is good I think I think it'll maybe cause a shift when we come out of COVID about how important connection and relationships are in a way that we didn't realize before. 
Yeah, absolutely. That really resonates with me. Even on a personal level, I'd say that's what really struck me through this past year because it's my like conversations with my partner and being able to talk on the phone and Zoom with family. That is what has sustained me and made this year livable um, and having like a few friends in the neighborhood that I go for walks with. Those are the things that have made it okay not all of the things like another thing that struck me is how much money I used to spend on nothing Um, but just when I was so busy I would like eat out so much and travel so much and just go window shopping on a day off and wander through the mall and buy things and I had a lot of privilege to be able to live my life in that way and also there was just a lot of like I was able to um, pay off my student loan uh, a few months That's ago, amazing. which I never thank you. That's I so never great. thought I would be able to do, and I I sort of felt like oh I'll never be able to do that because I'm, you know I'm just paying the base monthly amount, but then as I stopped like yeah just eating out because I wasn't able to as much anymore. Um, it shifted things. But I know even that experience comes from such a place of privilege, because I know so many people struggled financially and had to leave, you know, move back in with parents or family or leave cities that they loved living in because they were too expensive. And so it's been yeah, for sure. A, yeah, strange year for a lot of reasons. And what about Michelle thinking about um, working in healthcare, not in a direct patient care role, but definitely kind of within healthcare and within the health authority? What has your experience been working in healthcare and kind of working in that context over the last year? It's been interesting actually to see. Um, I mean, the project that I work on is important. It's um, like large scale implementation of an electronic health record and like a it's a big clinical systems change. It's a, it's a partnership between the many health authorities that are in the lower mainland. Um, but some parts of that were like they got deferred and resources and staff got pulled into direct care roles. They got pulled back into their workplaces. They got pulled into things like COVID testing, which is, was necessary. So that definitely impacted the work there, the, it was like, basically do more with less. And that's, that's what happened there because it wasn't, it's unfortunate sometimes in healthcare that it, the direct care roles are the priority. And then the stuff that happens in the background and the infrastructure, the things that support infrastructure are not sometimes immediately seen as the priority. So that definitely changed. I had to learn a lot of things that I didn't know about before. So it definitely provided some opportunities for personal and professional growth. I also actually did go back to direct care because at that time I, like I switched into this new job and then there was a need for staff at the inpatient mental health unit that I was working at. So I ended up going back to direct care casually, which I hadn't done for a year prior to that. And it was quite interesting um, going back because of the COVID restrictions. So things happened like patients weren't allowed to, well, they weren't allowed to come and go on units. 
Um, it, the units were half capacity because they had to implement distancing between patients, which is, it, it has quite an impact on an inpatient mental health unit. Because if you, um, if you think about it, the logistics of both units aren't the same as a medical unit where everyone's kind of in a room and in a bed and they're having their medical treatments. In mental health, it's more about people interacting together and fostering therapeutic relationships. So that is, that is quite an impact, wearing a mask, not being able to see people's facial expressions, only coming into contact with the patients when you need to do care. It, um, yeah, it had actually quite a profound effect on the patient care in those areas. And then half capacity, so a limited number of patients and youth had limited numbers of peers to interact with. So it it, it was quite a quite an impact. Yeah, how I about you, Claire? Oh. Yeah, I can't imagine how much that would have impacted that unit in particular, just because the dynamic is always or used to be at least when I worked there a few years ago. Yeah, so social and interactive. And so that I can't even imagine how it would play out. Yeah, as you're describing it. I found in my experience, same, my current role isn't in direct patient care, um, but my role shifted almost completely basically overnight to supporting all of our programs to shift in light of COVID. And so, yeah, just the entire nature of my job, the entire focus of my work shifted overnight. And then I'd say from probably March until about August, it felt like I was doing almost a completely different job than what I had done previously because Mm -hmm so much of the focus of the meetings that I was in and the um, projects that I was working on were new. They were things that started in March related to COVID. And so it's been nice just within the last, like since August or September or so, was the first time since the pandemic started that I was able to pick up projects that I really believed in and cared about, but that had been put on pause when the pandemic started. And so now Mm -hmm. I'd say my work is a balance of some COVID focused stuff, but it's also, it's been really, I feel like it was really needed from the systems level perspective. And then also just for my own enjoyment of my work, it's been nice to see some of that balance come back. And so, yeah, but I've seen my colleagues it's just been wild to see how much people have been pulled in so many directions and people being redeployed and Mm -hmm. people working overtime um, and also really coming together to support each other in quite a special way. And the versatility of staff is like, the versatility is incredible. Yeah, actually. And the ability of clinicians in the healthcare system to pivot has been actually quite inspiring and yeah. the willingness of people to pivot and say, you know what, I've been a health, like a mental health care manager for 20 years, but I'll do immunizations if you need a nurse to do immunizations. Like it's quite incredible. Yeah. And seeing people's creativity and willingness to problem solve and work together differently. Yeah. I've seen amongst some of my colleagues, people who I already look to for kind of professional inspiration have just stepped up in such amazing ways. Yeah, and it's been interesting, I find working as part of the health authority, 
um, but and being a registered nurse through this period, but also working in a role that is not direct care. And so I feel like I've been a little bit on the outside looking in, like being able to see the complexity of how it's impacted our staff and emerge and how it's affected our clinicians and um, child and youth mental health. And at the same time, also recognizing my own privilege that I do get to work from home quite a bit of the time. And um, yeah, during like thinking about all of our colleagues working in Emerge who have been there since the beginning, it just, I have so much respect and appreciation for how different this, the impact of COVID-19 has been and how different, like it feels like, you know, I get to work from home and sometimes answer emails on my couch and it is, has been stressful and it's been a lot and I've had to pivot, but it's, it's not the same experience as nurses who are working direct care in ICU Emerge. Um, Extended care, long-term care. That's been quite profound, the effect that it's had there. Yeah. Yeah. uh, A lot of respect for the the nursing aides, the, yeah, all the nurses and staff that work in those areas. Yeah, it's been wild to see people come together and see people. I was walking out to the grocery store last night um, and it just happened to be seven o'clock and people are still doing the cheer in my neighborhood in North Vancouver too. Yeah. And it was amazing to also hear people cheering on their, um, out of their windows and on their patios at seven. And then to hear people on the street who are walking around saying, Oh my God, I can't believe the cheer is still happening. Um, It was cool. And what about thinking about over the next, I know it's like, literally impossible to predict, but over the coming months, six months to a year or so, where do you see things going with the pandemic? What's your sense of where this is all going? Yeah, the immunizations are happening right now. So I'm very hopeful that I know a lot of healthcare people have been immunized, all the acute care, the direct nursing staff. I I hear about it. I see them posting things. They, they just couldn't even wait to get the immunizations. So, and now that's opening more widely. So I'm actually pretty hopeful that a good percentage of the population will be immunized and that this will kind of hopefully wind down in the next year. I think that we've learned a lot. We've learned so much as a system about emergency preparedness and pandemic response. So I am hopeful that we're going to take a lot of things away from that. Um, We've kind of collectively been going through this crisis together, which I mean, something like this hasn't happened in a long time. The last kind of big pandemic, epidemic kind of thing that I remember because I'm old enough is HIV AIDS. And that was different. And I was also quite young when that happened. So I don't have like very salient memories of that. I am hopeful that this is going to change perspectives. It's built capacity for virtual health and more access for different kinds of populations and people to access health in a different way that we didn't think was possible before. And I think, I think a lot of people are going to get vaccinated, which is great. Well, how about you, Claire? 
Yeah, I've thought about this a lot recently, especially as the vaccine campaign has kind of really ramped up and more people are getting vaccinated. I have quite a hard time picturing where I think it's going to go just because I'm like, I'm very hopeful that especially with the vaccine that we'll be able to see friends and family, even within British Columbia, like I have family on the island that I haven't seen in since the pandemic started. Um, and they haven't seen my parents since the summer. And so yeah, like I'm hoping it will go in a positive direction. And at the same time, it seems like unbelievable to me, or I can't even wrap my brain around the idea of like, hopping on a plane and traveling internationally for pleasure just because I want to like the idea of being on a plane flying to Tokyo to then hang out and eat in restaurants and do all the things that make travel amazing. I'm kind of like, is that going to come back? And I, I trust and hope that it will. And at the same time, I just have a tough time wrapping my brain around it or things like I love going to see live music so much and I can't picture standing in a crowd like shoulder to shoulder in a theater or venue of thousands of people all like screaming and breathing on each other <laughs> listening to music. I'm like, are we going to get there again? But I really do hope from like deep in my bones, I hope that we have the privilege of getting to a place where this period of time is something we can look back on and we have some distance from it. At the same time, I like Bonnie Henry, our provincial medical health officer for British Columbia has, I think she's our, is that I, her title? She's like I think head so. of public health. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has said that the information at this point indicates that COVID-19 is going to be a virus that we live with similar to influenza. And so I'm curious when people talk about like, oh, we'll wait till after COVID to do that. Or like, oh, in the post-pandemic world, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out because I don't imagine that we are going to get to a place where there's no more COVID. And so I'm curious to see how we kind of settle into new ways of being. And I don't think that it's going to be a matter of like getting back to the way life was before I think there will be new ways of being, which hopefully will bring lots of some benefits and learning um, and also some shifts to help keep people safe. But yeah, that I feel like my brain kind of short circuits when I try and think about where we'll all be in a year because it things change so much, even in the last year going like as the different restrictions have come in, life is like life was very different in December than it was in July just based on the local restrictions. So yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes. And hopefully, Michelle, you and I will continue to record the podcast. Hopefully we're, we're yeah. back on track now. And so yeah. we can kind of track it over the next months. And I'm sure we'll continue to chat about it. Any last thoughts or things you want to add or stuff that's come up before we wrap up for today's episode? It's been an interesting year. I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about the healthcare system. At the very least, for me personally, the last year has been opportunity for it really increased self-reflection on a lot of things. A lot of things that I maybe took for granted before and self-reflection on a lot of the barriers that I 
thought were kind of um, immovable within the healthcare system. Things that are, that I found, if there's enough political will, then things can change. The pandemic isn't the only thing that's happened in the last year. A lot of things, a lot of social movements have happened in the last year, which we'll probably talk about <laughs> in future episodes. But yeah, for me personally, the pandemic hasn't been the worst, but I think it's, a lot of this is how I choose to frame things as well. So I appreciate everyone that's taken the time to listen to us talk for the last half hour. Claire, any last words? Agreed, yes. Nice to be back recording again. I know um, almost probably a year ago <laughs> to the day uh, we were talking about the podcast and I just felt like my brain was so full of information being so early in the pandemic and just so I just felt like I was like at capacity with work and my personal life and following the news and the headlines and so I remember being like okay I need to pause for a little bit probably just a few weeks and then as you mentioned there was such a steep learning curve on so many fronts during the pandemic and so it's only within the last few months that I feel like I've started to like come out of that fog a little bit but mm -hmm. yeah definitely steep learning curve lots to be grateful for which in itself is something to be grateful for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah as you said the pandemic hasn't been the only thing happening over the past year there's been so much in terms of social justice movements and uh the poison drug supply and um yeah, the just racism and injustice that has been, of course, always there, but had more of a light shone on it in the past year. So making sense of that in the context of the pandemic has been, again, part of that steep learning curve. So yeah, glad to be back on the uh, podcast and glad to be exploring these topics with you <laughs> and grateful for anyone who's listening. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode and join us again next month where we'll pick up the conversation again. Take care. Bye-bye.